and I'ma get it, you know I be on the way What's up and welcome to another exciting episode of Ride the Rebellion Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Hall. And with me today is the, oh man, I meant to write down, uh, what was your Dale? Oh, wait, uh, hold on. Uh, what is it? Not Directive Dale. Damn it. Oh. Uh, what was it? What, uh, what, what, you want me to do it? Yeah, say it. Delegation yeah, Dale. Yeah, yes. And with me is... <laughs> Is Delegation Dale, uh, world's only sports management degree employee. Yeah, there's no one. Literally, when I went and got that degree, everybody was like, what are you going to do? I don't know. I guess I don't. no one knows. Like I've been to interviews where they're like, hey, you're definitely qualified for this job, but could you explain to me what your degree actually is? Like, I don't think I'm qualified. If you don't know what my degree is, I'm out. <laughs> I have no business doing any of it. My bad. Um, yeah, so on the show today, so I'm super hyped. Um, let me get my notes popped up here. I have them ready here. There we oh, go. he's got the Drogan notes. Well, I have to, but see, because I don't have my glasses, I can't see them very well. <laughs> yeah, we already had this conversation. Drew doesn't have his glasses on, so who knows what happens from here on out. Now, do you, I will lead it in with this, but I'm going to, I'm going to hit up our sponsors on it too. So, uh, we have a guest in the studio today, uh, former Dan downhill rider. <laughs> is literally still changing not only the landscape, but the work environment. That's my segue into, so we can get a shameless business plug, but also uh, change the landscape of mountain biking. Um, he's introducing a whole lots of ideas into the space, which I think is huge. We've talked about a lot. I think it's a big part of community, which is part of our conversation we like to have is how important community is to mountain biking, certainly in uh, areas where we all are. And I will tee him up with that. But first, I'm going to shamelessly plug that I ran this week for the first time in a while. And I ran in shoes that I bought from Run and Try, and my feet did not explode. Do you know how proud, if Aaron actually listened to this, he would be? <laughs> I always I always like play our intro to his his ad, yeah. and he giggles. He's like, hey, that's funny. Barry <laughs> doesn't sound like that, but it would be great if he did. But I legitimately, uh, and I haven't run, run in those shoes in a while, but having shoes fit to you properly mm -hmm. makes such a big difference. Huge. It's huge. Uh, it works out really well. Actually work. If you work in shoes... I'm the only one on this podcast right now that doesn't work, so I can do whatever I want. Fair but enough. if you work in shoes, you need ones that fit well, yeah. and you can walk Very in. Supportive. Oh, yeah. And run are. and try is your place for that. There it is, run and try. So we have a shout out to them uh, because we didn't do a great job of plugging them last week. We tried this game where we we're going to just sneak them in, and then we forgot about we all forgot. of our sponsors. So we have to do the right the, the right thing and just mm -hmm. get them all in right now. And it's just like anything else. We're just tuning up. We're just tuning yeah. up. Plus, some of Our it podcast. comes back. It's like a comedic thing. Like yeah. it comes back to the beginning. Like yeah. remember when we threw? It? Yeah, it doesn't ever come back. It never comes back. <laughs> um, uh, speaking of which, uh, shout out to Jody and the crew at Build Tune Ride. Um, it, again. Just knowing that they're in our back pocket is awesome. Uh, knowing that the quality of work they have, they've sent us some awesome prize support stuff that we're going to drop at some point. I don't know when that's coming out. There's an amazing, uh, very expensive gift we're about to, to put out there for you guys to win. Uh, super hyped about it. It is downhill related. It is, it is, it is crashish related. <laughs> well, I hope we never need it related. I hope whoever wins it never needs it. It's and a giant inflatable ball. Actually, um, to prevent from having to need it, you could go to Summit Bike Academy and you can learn your skills and hone them so that, hey, maybe you don't need that. 
I'm just switching between cameras. <laughs> go faster. Go faster. want to help something a little more stronger. There it is. Yeah. See? Now, and then you have a real rider tell you the, the, the way to approach it. Uh, but yeah, that was a good segue to Summit Bike Academy. That's our good friend Toby Cortez over there at Summit Bike Academy, uh, which you can go to Shred with... Sh- nope. Nope. Shred with Summit, yeah. not Shred for Summit. Nope. Shred you shred with. for Sloan, and you shred with Summit. That's right. Shred for Sloan is getting so many free. They get, they get free. so much free advertising at this point, just from my stupidity and so forth. Hey, I speak- should just get it tattooed on my forehead. Oh, <laughs> hey, but you could do that at Man of War Tattoo. I think you should. <laughs> Man of War Tattoo for all your tattoo and stick figure needs. All right. Now we're done. Uh, is that everyone? Yeah. Uh, by the way, just to jump back on the Shred Force loan, ish. Yeah. Um, they just had that, and I think it was very successful. Oh, good. Um, it was pretty cool. Some of the stuff that came out from there, and we had our boy Hagen in there. Hagen in there was rep- there, and that was Chase Gerard. Yes. Funny yeah, enough. Good job. <laughs> funny. Funny enough. You go by Gerard, yeah. I do. Yes. And now we have a Gerard. That's right. Huh? I segued. That was a pretty good segue. That was a good segue. No, it wasn't that great. Uh, he's uh, the first first time. So there's a lot of first times that we're going to have on this. First time doctor, PhD. Oh, yeah, that's he's true. He's a PhD. Oh. That's a fair statement? Yes, fair. I, yeah, I am a PhD. Yes, yes. He's a PhD. Paid for the loans, yes. <laughs> so we have a PhD, our first doctor, the PhD. First professional that yeah. legitimately rode downhill. Yeah. UCI that. qualifying. I noticed that. You did that. Yes. I did. Yes. Yes. First person from Illinois. Nah, it was Aaron. Do we have Aaron on though? We did, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Oh, yeah, you're right. He is from Illinois. Yeah. Oh, so, so, not the first Illinois guy. What about Colorado? No, nah, first, Colorado first Colorado guy. guy. There, there we go. We go. <laughs> Definitely the first person from Durango and Louisiana. And Louisiana. No, because Toby, you Toby, can't say yeah, that. Yeah. We don't count Sorry, Toby. Toby. <laughs> you actually are part you uh toby are part of us now so you're from mobile actually <laughs> you're trapped you're trapped <laughs> in this environment forever no it's awesome to have you on the show i i obviously oh. did um i did a little bit of research i remember you so so you probably don't realize such thing maybe you do but i remember you for two stories the first story comes from dale who told the story about uh, you guys were in a race together in Ridgeland. We were trying to figure that out this morning. I think, yes. yes yeah. Yes, it was Ridgeland. He tells the story about you guys riding in Ridgeland. And he talks about, and he told us, he was like, this dude was so fast. That's what he told me. And he told the story. It's like, this guy was so fast. <laughs> he was like, I've never seen anybody go that quick. So you did really well in that race. Apparently, I think you won it. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Because I did not win it. <laughs> you did well, though. No, I got third. Yeah, I'm fine. I was well. on the podium. Yeah, I got a picture with you. It was yeah. cool. It's awesome. <laughs> but he he talked about how fast of a rider you were. He's like, this dude's really good. And and you know he was talking about it because I think we were talking about downhill stuff. And he was talking about bike position and the way you rode was very professional. Like it looked, it didn't look like just a bunch of no, weekend what, Joe. What I look like, <laughs> right? Come on, right. It it looked legit. And so I remember that. And then we go to this race at Boca Chido, uh, Roller Coaster of Love or whatever. That It was a Coaster of Love, I think. Is that what it was? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I think so. It was an Enduro at Boca Chido. And we did that race. And you podiumed that one. And you won that one as well in open yeah. class. Yeah. yeah, which was awesome. And I was like, that's the guy. And I know you because I'll never forget, for as long as I live, you have this very bright Yeti. SP yes. 150. It's a 150. SP 150. Yes. Right. SP yes. 150. Yes. And you can't mistake it. You can't hide from it. You right. see it and it goes by in a blur and there it goes. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no way to get around it. 
And so it was one of those things of like, oh man, this guy's awesome. That's cool. Like Dale's like, he's going to come on the show. And then I start doing research and it's always interesting whenever we have anybody on the show, we have these conversations, you know, we're going to like, oh, we're going to talk about bikes. You right. came and rode the rib. We sit around well, and we, the, oh, thank you. Yeah, we sit around and bullshit about bikes. Right. I hear some tech talk. Yeah. Like I, that all goes over my head because I have no mechanical <laughs> knowledge. But listening to, 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 or knowing that you were coming, I look up this stuff and you have this, you know, cause I'm a business guy. So I appreciate that. You have this insane background. You have an insanely cool story that's mountain bike related that ties into business. However it ties in cause you're chasing something mm -hmm. and, and then it lands, then you land here and I've known that you're a great writer. So it makes this to me, it's much more of a compelling thing. So I think it's your story is really awesome. So I'm going to do something we don't normally do, which is be mildly formal for a moment. Right. Okay. I'm going to go to the beginning because there ain't a lot of hills in Illinois. No, Illinois. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> that's all my friends in Midwest uses it. Yeah. So I gotta ask. I, I gotta ask. Like, if if you're in Illinois mm -hmm. and it's flat, how in the hell? Because you had this quote. I read this quote from you. Said that one of your goals was to be on uh, like a world champion downhill. You didn't yeah. say mountain biker. The quote yeah. I saw said you wanted to be a world champion downhill mountain biker. And sir, I must know how the hell do you get to that point living in <laughs> Illinois? That's flat and farmland. Yes. Oh man. Woo. Listen, welcome ABC, to the show. <laughs> I'm going to plug old school ABC wild, uh, wild world of sports. Oh, I remember that. Um, I forgot what the tagline was, but I think the, um, Failure of defeat. I don't know. It had a great tagline. But there was only two loves I ever had. I don't know how I got hooked at it. My dad's from Louisiana. My mom's from Tennessee. They they never grew up in mountains. There's no re to like family ski trips. But I saw downhill ski racing when, I don't know, I think I was like seven. Like, on, is it the Olympics? Winter Olympics. Love the Winter Olympics. And I'm like, holy shit. I want to do that. Mm -hmm. and, I'm, and I'm like... I'm looking at cornfields because I literally <laughs> grew up in an area. It's actually Kankakee County, St. Anne, Illinois. The population growing up near St. Anne, and I lived in the cornfields of St. Anne. I went to grade school in St. Anne, and you drive the bus, and you say, hey, welcome to St. Anne, population 600. Oh, wow. <laughs> now, today, 2020, and so I was like 1980, 85, and all that stuff. 800, no, I think it crossed over to 1,100 people. I think a few Woo. people stayed back. Where they, they 1,100 people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this infrastructure good enough? Like, <laughs> there are kindergartens in some cities bigger than the town. Mm. So, um, but I just grew, I fell in love with downhill skiing. And also, I grew up racing BMX bikes. Okay. So that's a Midwest uh, thing. I, I was think. Midwest. Uh, I knew, uh, and I grew up at the time too, like Todd Lyons, uh, Craig Reynolds, um, uh, Eric Cunningham, and all those guys. Were, these were all. Very well known nationally, and I did some national. I won like ABA grands when like in '85 or something like that. But I just oh wait, hold up, you watch Rad? Of course, yes, thank you. Yes, who? <laughs> yes, <God>. yes. <laughs> the Rad is the greatest movie of all time. Drew. No offense, <laughs> it's the greatest movie of all time. I don't know about that, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I rest Rad, and I haven't seen it in a while. But funny, and I'll get you a Rad, an awesome Rad story because I raced for a guy who was in Rad. Oh gosh, uh, yeah. uh, wow. plug him, uh, uh, Robbie, um, Robbie, uh, Robbie Miranda. Root. No, Robbie Root. Oh, okay. So yeah. it was Air Root and Robbie Root. Robbie was one of the yeah. uh, 
he raced for Schwinn and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. even long, so around there, so I just grew up. Uh, I had um, uh, so I raced BMX. I was a gentleman junkie. Skateboard a little bit. I was a horrible skater. Actually, I picked up skateboarding again to work on my feet muscles. But uh, so I, when it was time to pick a college, my parents were like. Where do you want to go to college? It's like, I want to go to the tallest mountain. <laughs> Wherever there are mountains, that's where we're going. Uh, they said, well, when my mom wanted me to get to Tennessee. That's where she was from. And she said, well, what about Chattanooga? I wish I Chattanooga is really cool. Uh, Chattanooga is my jam. I yeah. wish I would have bought in Chattanooga 30 years ago yeah. <laughs> <laughs> than now. But long, I'm, I was out west. So I picked Durango because, uh, let me, and I jumped in, into to all that. So at that time, I didn't really know much about downhill racing, but I knew about mountain biking. My brother was seven years older, and he became up. He he was looking at mountain bikes. He also had motor had motorcycles. These were shitty motorcycles, like double shocks. Mm. You know, like no R and one twenty. Yeah, it was yeah. like KXE one seventy five. It was mm-hmm. like a turd, mm. and and I always just dream. I want to do the bot. And those all those downhill ski racing or the the Dakar. I was like, yeah. I wanted to do the Baja. I wanted to do You were going for like I broke from it, the yeah. getting. He's yeah, like, I was I'm from the cornfields. Anything is going to be amazing. <laughs> so it was funny. So riding the cornfields told me how to ride rough mm. at speed. Yeah. Because you know, you run across like soybean or cornfield roads. If you pin it, you just stay on top. Mm-hmm. And that when we learn how to ride rocks, I was like, oh, yeah, it's like riding through the cornfields again. Just ride fast or the things that you just stay. You don't get caught in the bottoms. So all that helped out downhilling, but I didn't bring, I got to share, I want a picture I'll share with you. So I knew I couldn't, downhill ski racing was the thing, I didn't grow up that. So I was going to go to Colorado. I had the skills of a BMX rider and I had friends who tra- crossed over from BMX into mountain bikes. And this was early, like 1992, 94 at time. So I had a great time doing that. And I said, I'm going to do downhill mountain bike because I sucked at cross country. I tried some cross country races in uh, Illinois. I, I got lapped. I got last. <laughs> I, I I was out there like be, like like huge skater shorts, seat <laughs> yes. slammed down, and sp- I, I was sprinting. A lot of people because I when I was racing cross country, I did the same start, but I didn't have the fitness, so I would whole shot. The cross country race, <laughs> right? Until like 200 yards in, I'm maxed out, and everybody just goes past me, and I'm just I'm suffering the whole race. Uh, but somebody told me downhill ski race, downhill mountain biking, and dual slalom. You'll love it. You'll do well, and that's how I, I got hooked up uh, on that. And I'll tell some stories. I'm sure you have some stories. But my the whole racing thing at that time was crazy. I was hitchhiking across country. I don't know how in the hell my parents trusted me that much. <laughs> At 18, in the I had 90s, too. Olds, in the 90s, yeah, there's no social, there's no cell phone. No, it was no, like no. to check in on you. But literally, I would go from Durango to Vermont to Big Bear, hitchhiking, no ride. Dude, just you and a bike? Like, me how and a does bike. That... Yeah, me and a bike. And, and I kind I mean, of picked how, up. How yeah. You, you can't even, there's yeah. no other story I've ever had anybody on the show regarding bikes be like, so I went hitchhiking from Durango to Vermont and then to, mm. like, how is that? How does that even happen? Like, how do you even go through this process of? Well, I had a little science to it. So <laughs> he is, he didn't have his PhD it was, it was, yet, it was, but he was, was working on it. It was it, it was, <laughs> oh I was on the side of the interstate with a bike and a bag and a black kid with dress. I think I was going to get a ride to 
Vermont. And if were picked me up, I had to be kind of suspicious. So, so the year I was still in Illinois, uh, a bike, I started, I worked at bike shops like when I was in eighth grade, uh, probably was way, I don't know how my parents let me do it. Well, I know why, because they didn't want to pay full price on, on BMX parts. <laughs> and, uh, so, so I was working at a bike shop. So there was a bike shop in about an hour from the house in Palos Hills. They did a lot of mountain bikes. So I begged them to let me, like, hey, let me work at your shop, blah, blah, blah. That first summer, I got a mountain cycle San Andreas. I remember I worked all summer, and my dad still had to clear the bill at the <laughs> shop <laughs> my race bike. But I did a race in Michigan City. I did, at that time, it was a, a Norba UCI basically didn't race in Michigan City. I raced... Well, slalom was open. I raced uh, downhill. I did pretty good. I was like top 10 and an expert of that, people all over the country. And then I did dual slalom. So I, I beat Miles Rockwell Whoa. my first run, and then he barely beat me in the second one. And I, was, I used to look at – he was at Yeti. I was used to look at these people. I'm like, holy shit, I want to do it. I want to do that. Yeah. And I was like, that was it. I was just going to do it. So during that time, I met some people. Like we were camping out, met some people from Colorado – some from uh, Tattoo Lou was in, he was moving from New Jersey or New York to Colorado. So we kept in touch that far. He said, all right, how much money do you budget? He said, well, try to save up enough money to live off $10 a day. That was my budget, $10 Holy a day. And so I worked double time at the bike shop. I was still in, I was in school and I saved up enough money. And, and my parents would say, I'm, I'm, they let me go to Durango. I said, I'm going to Durango. Unloaded my truck. And the Iron Horse Rally race was there. And I have a picture of what I looked like um, of the Iron Horse I brought. Unloaded my truck, and Lou said, well, if you have money, you can catch a ride with us because we're doing the whole tour. So I hooked up with them, Holy and that smokes. was – And I didn't even know – I like a couple guys on the phones and stuff like that. And this dude was pure – if you looked at him, he used to be on – like he used to manage like punk bands. So I really couldn't tell if you, if you were a skinhead or <laughs> – and he's really <laughs> aggro, but I'm like, shit, I'll just try it out. If he's skinhead, he would cuss me out already or just wouldn't answer my phone call. Right. So I was like, I'm going to wing it. I, I, I don't know if this guy has a, you know dead bodies or anything, but the, we're like brothers. And we, 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 we raised, actually, he created, a, 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 we developed the Kawasaki team. I ended up racing for him. But that was my first, I actually, his rides, and there's some rides he wasn't go, racing going to. I meet people at the races. Hey, are you going to California? Yeah, we got room, split gas. Jump in their car, take my stuff out. Dude, that's unreal. Awesome. Go across, sleeping on floors, going to random people's houses in between races. And I did that for several years, like four or five years. Now I was in Durango, but the uh, the worst of all of that, not really the worst, probably my first, I think it's really, I, I, if, there, if I didn't have bad luck, I had no luck. <laughs> like <laughs> I would crash. I would flat one season. I think it was my first season or second season. I had no points to show for it. I literally hitchhiked across the country from Durango to Vermont to Mount St. Anne to Quebec, Mammoth, Spokane, Washington, back down to Utah, Colorado, whole summer, probably 200,000, like 150,000 miles of driving. No points, zero <laughs> points to oh, show no. for my freaking racing. And you know, it's such a hard call to make home. Like, well, how did the race go? I crashed. How did the race go next? I'm in a whole another time zone. Broke the bike. 
man. And it, I, got, it, I got 10 bucks. It, 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 to, but look, I said I didn't ask for money. I never, it, my, and, but that taught me so much about life and how to overcome it. But yeah, there was like three, it was a long time. I didn't, I didn't really do well at all. And, uh, and let's stop. Let's get some more questions. But yeah, long story. Dude, I love it. Yeah. That's, that's how I kind of got into, um, from Illinois, which is no mountains, just really, it was, it was ski racing on downhill world of sports. And then downhill mountain biking came across. I said, well, I can't, I don't know anything about skis, but I, I know how to ride a bike. See, what's fascinating to me is like, that's, uh, it's one of those things where something got to your, it, you know, like it's, it, that's part of your soul. That's like a core moment that got unlocked. Right. So that, yeah. that little video on ABC's worldwide of sports, mm-hmm. which we all grew up watching, oh, yeah. we all yes. know it, right? Cause we're all in approximate same age range. Mm-hmm. Seeing that, that unlocks something that then drives you so much that you go out there, but you had, I read something else in terms of that. Cause you ended up, you went to school in Durango, right? I did. I went to Fort Lewis. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's a whole that's a whole nother story on my career path at Durango. But that but you had a reason for that as well, though, mm-hmm. that I, I did read about yeah. that was because, and ties back in. So like the motivation is you can go to this mountain side of things and learn stuff, but then you mm-hmm. had this drive that I think at the time did, did I see you you quoted you wanted to be in the CIA or FBI or FBI, something? Yes, yeah, yes, FBI, yes, yes, yes. But so you were driven on that side for criminal yeah. justice, which yes. is mm-hmm. essentially what it is. Is did the school inform some of that? Like making that decision, you looked at Durango and said, "Okay, I can go ride my ass off and I go to school here?" Yeah. Is that how that worked it, out? It, it did. Yeah. Yeah, my both my dad was, you know, my you know, my dad had his PhD and my mom had her masters. She would have had her PhD, but she she got pregnant with me and then she had to stop. But um, she always calls me her PhD. So which means I had to get my PhD somehow before just, just, just for principal's sake. Yeah, just right. so I wouldn't be stuck at the kitty table. Cause my brother's an MD from university of Pennsylvania, but that's a whole nother story there. But, uh, um, so yeah, so really during that time in Southeast Chicago, and you kind of know in some of the Midwest crime just kind of overrode mm-hmm. during our time we were there, especially Kankey had a lot of small manufacturing jobs. The economy was strong. A lot of people had good jobs. And then, like, in the 80s, everything came south. It was in Alabama and yeah. other areas. So what I saw come in was crime, you know, kind of uh, hope, you know, just, you know, you know, opportunity and hope went out and crime despair kind of moved in. So, and I said, man, we're, you know, it was, it was there because I used to go street ride and skateboard and kind of see stuff that was kind of shady. But I, it did really hit home. I had a friend that played a lot of street basketball. And uh, he was waiting for a game. Uh, one shot went off, not intended to hit him, but it hit him right in the heart. He was dead immediately. Oh, shucks. So that was that kind of pissed me off. And then we had an older lady that my parents rented uh, a room from, kind of above garage apartment, uh, Miss Barrasso, and a, a guy. And I, I kind of, when I came to age, I used to take care of her, you know, cut her grass and take care of her house. She didn't have any kids or, or anything. So. A guy broke in her house, mentally ill, and brutally murdered her. So, Holy cow. I, and this was like around, you know, the formative year, like around 14, 15, or 16. My parents really thought I was going to do business because I always was hustling to race bikes. You <laughs> right. know, I just, you know, I had a lawn business. I was making speaker boxes. Just, you know, my parents were school teachers, so they didn't have, like, money to take me on these races. And I wanted good shit. So... I had a side hustle and they mm-hmm. said, well, Gerard's definitely going to do business because he just loves, you know, doing stuff. And, but when that happened, an FBI agent came to my school. Uh, I went to a Catholic school and he was talking about his job. And he goes like, man, you know, no, you know, I, you know, fly around the, the country, you know, lock up the bad guys. 
and you know it's adrenaline rush and that, uh, that hit me i was a adrenaline junkie <laughs> right I'm like shit you get paid for it right. <laughs> yeah, and like, all around the country yeah, like, and, and, and and i saw all this stuff going on that kind of gave me the answer it's like i, I want to do that i want to be a crime fighter too and so i came when i went to and fort lewis came across so this was during the early stages of desert storm so i could have gone into the military and be a, a, um, a military police and fast track into the FBI or go to um, or go to college and major in different things. I picked sociology because I like the, the profiling side of stuff. And But Desert Store was going on. And then I was a you know, typically kids of the 90s list way too much Rage Against Machine yep. and Public Enemy. <laughs> yeah. And so that was kind of my brain too. Like, oh, yeah. I can't do that fucking war. I can't yeah. do that. I'm, yeah. I'll, I'll probably, you have to edit some stuff out. So I'm not doing that. And and then I start following up with mountain biking. And I was like, well, and then I didn't know about Durango, but somebody mentioned, well, you know, Durango's pretty cool. They got a small college there, Fort Lewis. I did some research on there and they did a lot of work in the community. And it had a great sociology program. At that time, I was looking for criminal justice. So I went there. This is funny. So I was like, all right, I'm going there because of mountain biking. It's a small. And it was affordable. That's another thing. You know, I was in Illinois, out-of-state tuition. Yeah, it was a murder was a, most, was, most of the time. Oh it was God, brutal, it was right? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, you know, so Durango's out-of-state tuition was really reasonable. And then they had a club team that I was able to kind of finagle my way on because it was cross they didn't have downhill but i used to train with them on the roadside because it was right before downhill season and brilliant the team kind of worked it out and gave me in-state after that so that brilliant yeah so it was really cheap for me to go uh and then i lived in a eventually we bought a trailer um so i was i lived in a trailer park but i owned it for like i bought it for like 10 grand my well my parents actually helped me so I was able to live live rent free, and oh, I had nice. a roommate yeah. that paid for the lot fee, and we just so it, it so we had a little I had a little hustle thing like Dave Ramsey really had anything on me at that time like I like I <laughs> I, 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 mean, I I was on a super budget dude right then and uh, and then part of it so yeah so we that that's basically um, but what was so funny during that time I, I was my first meeting with my major professor. So, draw. what are you going to do? I'm going to be FBI. I just want to lock up all the bad people. Like, I was so aggro. I said, I want to win the World Cup downhill, and I'm going to be FBI agent. That's all I care about. Now, you know, that, I, was, I was literally just aggro on that. And then once I started working with kids uh, in the community who were on parole, parole, parole and probation, I, re- I quickly learned, like, those kids, one, we were very close in age, but two, we weren't that much different. It was just a lot of them were in economic hell, and they just in the families were either alcoholics or something like that. It's like, listen, you you know, you're basically they was making poor decisions out of poor options or options that they knew of because they, nobody was really mentoring or guiding them. So you know, you you could do this instead. You know, even though nobody in your family is doing that, but there's other options to get you out of this hell. So I quickly learned it's like. And then there was a time of like private prisons were yep. were growing mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And I was like, man, if I just if I go in the FBI, I'm just gonna be I'm not helping. I'm gonna be hurting more than I'm trying. My goal is to help people. And uh, so that's it changed my whole direct uh, uh, direct uh, you know direction in life. And and rightly so. If I would have been an FBI agent, um, I I wouldn't have been that long because I, I think I probably felt too constrained and really kind of been like realized at way late in life like 
am I really helping people? Or oh, man, you're speaking yeah. to the choir. Like so. it's one of those things. Like when you have that moment, career path wise, like it happened to me before. And and for me, it was in the film industry. I had a, right. my break in. I was making movies, and the question for me became like, am I really helping people? Yes. There are times where someone can go watch a movie and it's escape. I'm right. not taking away from it. Right. But at the end of the day, I'm a big believer in in. I want to change the world, but I understand that I'm not stupid. I'm right. fairly intelligent enough to know that I am not going to change the world, me. Right. But what I can do is affect a small area. And if that small area, then positivity and change goes to the next area. Yeah. And then goes to the next. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, you have a chance to actually change the world. That's it. And not because of my back. It's going right. to be communities that have right. driven that. And so you go to sociology and you're in that same boat, right? right. You're suddenly yes. seeing like you get a kid out of a, a or a person, anybody. Right out of economic hell and you give them a chance. Sometimes what I think is interesting about sport Mm -hmm. is that a lot of times sports are that way out, right? Yes. Yep. The tricky part is, is finding that sport where you find that connection. So whether it's downhill skiing randomly in Illinois, that is like, that's the, that's one of the most amazing little moments that you got Mm -hmm. to experience and you get to see and you get to, to know, but you have to, the weird part is everybody has to go through a journey to get to that spot. But some people, don't understand that there's a path to that journey, right? Like he's right. saying the people that were strapped with the probation or, mm-hmm. you know, their past, they're they're victims of their past. They're victims of where they're born. They're victims right. of but you can't victimize them, right? No, no, because that's the you, worst thing. If to you do, victimize right? them, then guess what happens? Then they just leech on to everything yeah. and they stay victims. Yeah. Because yeah. that's how they get things. Yeah. yeah. Well that and then but you're not it's kind of a disservice because you don't believe like you can do better. Right. And, yes. and that's and doing the work. It's like, I tell everybody, you know, people, even when I was over systems, I was a deputy secretary of juvenile justice. I, I you know, I told the staff, I was like, listen, I believe a hundred percent of these kids can be successful. Now I believe that. I want you to believe that. Now reality is not a hundred percent of these kids are ready to be successful mm-hmm. and we just need to work it out. But we have to believe cause we don't know which one is ready to believe. And we got to give them all the knowledge and encouragement to have that awakening in themselves mm-hmm. and, 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 and feel it. Instead of this, just being a job that you just try and get to next vacation or, or, or whatever your personal goals, you have to invest in. And that's, and that's the, the beauty of it. And, and that, and, and, and that doesn't keep them, you, you don't dwell on the past. So also, you don't want them to dwell on their past. That's right. Because you really need to get them to think about future and what the moment is leading to their future. Mm-hmm. And that's the only way. But yeah, it's, it's well, so a lot it's of true, times, true not to victimize A lot them. of times, their way out is basketball, baseball, or football. All right? they, well, because they that's know, all or they drugs, know. Or, or stealing drugs. or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so yeah. like, I mean, I come from a basketball culture because that's where I was at. I right. was clearly a minority in the basketball right. world. <laughs> but I would go into these places and like see – like that's they're playing for their life. Yeah. Like I'm just playing because I think I'm good. Right. Right. Like there's a different and you level. have options. They're like, oh, if this doesn't work yeah. out, I you know. Right. And I my family, work, like yeah. my family is all in law enforcement. My dad yeah, right. and my brother. So like, I went to a prison, a maximum security prison, played basketball with them. Right. The perspective that you get, you cannot get on the street. <laughs> like there's no way. Like I'm in there playing with these guys. It's an open gym. Right. I thought I was gonna die. <laughs> like, and I thought everybody there was gonna die. Right. After the game, everybody's right. hugging me like right, we're best right, friends. Right, right. But it's like there's a different we as uh, affluent white males and whatever, mm-hmm. we can't understand it. Right, right. Like because we were never in that world. 
Yeah, fair yeah. point. Like it's yeah. it's hard for us well, and anybody listening that lives and you you close it off like you oh I didn't see nothing like right. you're walking well, past the homeless I don't person. Know, I don't know if it's always not see nothing. I do think one of the hardest parts is that understanding that space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a in, what I was talking about experience. It's yeah. individual experience that like you have to, but you have to observe somebody else's. You have to That's be right. able. The real trick of any of it is to be able to like put yourself. Hey, I, in their it's to yeah. a degree that you can the best you That's can. It. So That's it's it. apathy and empathy, right? Right, you're getting right, into right. That, And you have to know the difference. And there's certain ways. That's the thing that's lost the most. And it really comes down to fucking patience. Yeah. Right? I mean, people are so impatient. They don't want to take the time to learn. They don't want to take the time to invest. Mm-hmm. They don't want to take the time. Like we talked about, we're joking about earlier. So you guys know at home, we were laughing about um, some of the younger people that work with me sometimes. Oh, yeah. Don't get out of the way. <laughs> yeah. right. And we we're no, all having a laugh right, about like, right. yeah, it's, but if you don't take the time to invest in that, your parents invested in right. you. Yep. Believe it or yes. not. Whether it was their fault or not, whatever, right, not right. fault, but their life choices, you learning to be a hustler for business ends up changing people's lives down the road. Right, right. But it was for a love of mountain biking. Yeah, yeah. 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 Right? It's all cyclical. And yeah, because you did it selfishly. Right, yes. To, and now it's But it can mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. spin it. And that's the game is the perspective is mm-hmm. taking enough time to look into it. That's what I find. That's why your story to me, like digging in, I was like, Dude, this is like a documentary conversation. Like, this is not just a bike conversation. No, can you imagine like a bunch of greasy ass teenage kids piling in a car to go race mountain bikes on shitty ass mountain bikes across the country? Well, they weren't <laughs> shitty like, back then. They weren't <laughs> shitty. <laughs> back then. They were shitty compared to what we have now. Oh yeah, well, but at that time they were. At the time, no, I'm like saying, I told you, I, no. I want to ride <laughs> shitty stuff. That's why I work so hard. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but saying, y'all know the but, truth. But, but the thing was, I had one shock compared to the other kid with the trust fund. You know, dad's coming in with a trailer. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's got three bikes. You know, I got this one bike that's like pieced together, mm-hmm. and, and, and then living off like bar parts. Like, right. <laughs> so, well, I mean, and I, <laughs> I, when you were talking about that, like I so related to the idea of. Guys in a car, like rolling out. Oh yeah, and riding because when I was growing up riding BMX, like I rode BMX right. too. Oh, yes. And you, see, I watch all these videos all the time, and it's always like all these dudes just roll up to a place and they get out and they don't look like they shower and they. Oh, and I'm yeah. like, dude, these Bikes are my people all over the place. Yes, yeah. and there's yeah. like like a crappy yeah. car that barely rolled Rolls. there, and so that was my idea of like. When I everybody's like, well, when you turn sixteen, you'll never ride again. I was like, no, 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 we're gonna throw all of our bikes in. I can ride everywhere. Exactly, that was me, and that's what it was. Like I remember taking a trip to Louisville to ride their new bike skate park that they put in on off right off of seventy five, and we got down there and we're rural Ohio kids. We were overwhelmed. Like we had no business being there, but we're sitting there. There's no cameras. There's no phones. Like there's no proof we were there. There's proof they were there. I have scars. Right. (laughs) Like, but. it's such a, unique, a fun stage of life. Like, oh, dude, like, it's like, so carefree. Um, like, and for me, and in a sense of like, I don't know, naive, being naive or trust, because people I rode, you know, traveled with and hitchhiked with, they weren't just complete strangers, right? But it's what, and it's kind of thing I want to have with my kids. It's like there's still a chance of you overcoming your free. It would have been a whole lot easier. And I'd probably have been happy with my parents probably have been happy if I just did a traditional thing. Like my, I had an older brother who graduated med school at 27. Woo! And, uh, Jeez. Yeah, yeah, that was U of Woo! I. U of <laughs> I, biochem, MBA, and University of Pennsylvania med school. 
UPenn's tough, man. Yeah, it was like a top one or two yeah. at the time. <laughs> UPenn's tough. At 27. You're like, I'm just going to oh, keep sorry. riding bikes. When, I, that's hit, cool. when I hit 27, <laughs> oh, my God. Dude. I, it, yeah, it, it, I, I was barely – I barely got into my master's program, let alone finished with anything. But, yeah, anyway, but but having being a parent now, but they knew my journey. Like, mm-hmm. they knew when I saw – when everything I, I was focused in on, well, even though my dad wanted me to play football – I was a pretty decent football player, but I just didn't love it. Mm-hmm. But he said, you really love bikes. I don't understand you on this bike <laughs> shit. But I just, and let alone, because my, my, my parents came from the deep south. And yeah. let alone, you know, they were braced in the 30s. So they were all Jim Crow, all that stuff. Yeah. They're like, my youngest son is hitchhiking across the country <laughs> yeah, with they'd... these freaking random people. And it's not like basketball, where there's no, no, no. a lot of more African-Americans. Right, right, right. It's all white folks. Yeah, like. yeah. that's what I was gonna ask. So I was wondering about that. They, they, but I, 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 I thank my parents so well that they allow me to do it. The first thing they pretty much said, one is first said no, but the second one was like, "All right, I know you really want to do this. You just have to figure out how to pay for it. Yep. And if you figure out how to pay for it, we'll let you do it." Yeah. And then I just really started. Uh, so I, interestingly enough, that's the same. I, I I toured with a band. I went on tour with a band. Oh, called, you're nice. With a, a band called <laughs> the Bloodhound. I'm sure you got some stories. <laughs> oh God, I can't even tell them on this one. And we went all over the country, but it was the same yeah. vibe. as like right. my parents trusted. Eventually, they said, "Hey, look, you have a decision. You're you're doing right. this. Either you stay with them, which is a career path for sure. I would have right. gone to Europe and all kinds oh, of yeah. other stuff. Right, right. Or we'll." pay for college if you want right. to settle up and pay for college. And at that point, I wanted to be in film school. That was my right. goal. Yeah. So same kind of drive in that sense. But having someone push you to that point to understand, like I got to go explore. I got to you chase yes. the world and see stuff. But at the same time, I also had the ability to make a decision that became mine. Right. And mm-hmm. I think the key is like making that decision, right? right? Yep. You're racing. You're making decisions all the time. But you're oh, not yes. thinking, you're probably not thinking then about like, you're like, oh, I'm going to ride with Steve and them to the next right. spot. Right. Yeah. Right. You're not looking ahead as like a manager would to be like, right. hey man, you're you've got six races coming up. Right. We need you to be prepped for the you know, yeah, yeah, worried exactly. about points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're focused on like, where am I gonna shred? Where am I gonna sleep? Where am I gonna eat? And yeah, exactly. Yeah, in was, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely so. Yeah, I think so. what's great and in, in our demographic of listeners will agree with this. They're ra- you're raising children. We are mm-hmm. all raising children. Yeah, yeah. My parents gave me this whole thing when I was growing up is you can do whatever you want to do and we will help facilitate that, but you will never quit it. Right. So like if you've signed up for it, you will follow through and you will finish it. Yep. Right. And if you don't like it, don't do it again. But we will help facilitate. So like I snowboarded, I wakeboarded, I I rode BMX, I did all this, but I remember like building a BMX bike out of a dance comp catalog. Oh, yeah, dance comp. Oh, I remember that, yeah. So like (laughs) building all that stuff, but my parents made me do it like, they bought me a first bike, right. but you can That's do it. it. That's right. it. Right. Like, yeah. You got to figure it out right. from there. Right. And I, I like that, but mm-hmm. you went a different level of like commitment than I did. Oh, like, yeah, I'm traveling I, the whole dude, country and try to, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah, I did, because yeah, yeah. I, I got recruited yeah. to play basketball, went right. to a college yeah. I got recruited at. Like it was a different path. And to me, like I was passionate about that. Yes, yeah, But yeah. I was, I loved bikes. Yeah. Like there was always that deep rooted like love for two wheels and love for the adrenaline of it. And I never thought, like I'm a Midwest kid, I never thought that there was a path. I mean, I raced right. ABA and MBL yeah, right, stuff yeah, and right. Kettering, but like there was never a hey, you can just get on this bus and right. go like that. To me, like your story and all of it is amazing because it's like, dude, you had the balls to do it. Like 
and the wherewithal to be smart enough to survive it. And I'm going to ask a raw question, and and if and if we end up deciding to censor it, whatever, but legitimately because I don't understand the experience, is it intimidating as fuck to be an African American in a sport? Especially in that timeline, in that I don't timeline, imagine yeah. there was very many no, black was, riders, and you're stepping into it. Was it yeah. like, was it a weird, what is that? Can I just, I'll say yeah. it, Raleigh. What's that experience like? Because I will never understand it, but it seems like that's a risk in and of itself. Right. Right? Yeah. In the woods yeah. with a bunch of white dudes? <laughs> what can go wrong? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. The, the truly thing, I think the mountain bike culture, though, yeah, it kind of, it came from like the, you know, Bay Area yeah. type group, you know. I think you think majority, unlike probably open wheel racing yeah, or, yeah, yeah. or even motocross, could be kind of conservative. But uh, I, I think in really ninety percent of my experience was all positive. Uh, I I came across. I'm not going to say the the, the the it was a product sponsor of, of a team that was put together, and I was on it made a comment to the manager just like they weren't quite happy I was on the team. Ooh. Uh, they were racist. That was in the uh, 90s, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, 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 not yeah, racers. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's just a very yeah, important yeah, uh, back yeah, end. Yeah. 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 But that was my only and then every once you know one guy kind of said, you know, but really 90% of my experience was all positive. It was yeah, I've never changed it. And truthfully, I probably had yeah, yeah, it was, it, it was, it was great, and, and and then every you know every once in a while you have because there was quite a few African Americans BMXing, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and they'll yeah. kind of pop in and pop out, uh, especially if you're doing races on the West Coast. A lot of more African Americans are there, so uh, so the sport itself was familiar with it. Mountain biking was still kind of you know one you know predominantly white, but. Really, Durango was awesome. A lot of people because it's really all, it's chill. It's a chill um, area for sure. There, there were literally probably three black guys in Durango when I moved there, <laughs> and really I had dreads, so we all had dreads. <laughs> right. Um, so I was probably the only straight edge one with you know dreads that lived there. So I quickly had to cut my dreads because I started work. You know, I was working. Yeah, don't with, confuse me with kids on probation and parole. I didn't <laughs> right. want them to see me. You know, right. I could have swore I saw Gerard smoking weed, you know, <laughs> right. like he was dreads, you know, they all look alike. So <laughs> especially in a town where there's I, I only could, three, there's only three of us. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. we stuck. We, we, and all the other two are really good. They were like, one was a really good snowboarder and skater. The other one, I don't know, he was kind of more of a drifter, but I think it was a good chef or something. But, uh, but yeah, so, but really even Durango, you know, just living there, it was hundred percent positive. And, and that was a whole different vibe too. Just really, well, what's crazy, really isolating, but really cool. Uh, what's super crazy about like very successful people, like you said, he's a chef or something or a good snowboarder. Yeah. Like people that are good, that had to work to be good. Right. Are usually better than the kid that pulled up with the dad with the whole trailer full. Right. Well, there's, there's a hunger. Cause I, I definitely, you know, I had four knee surgeries I wouldn't, I didn't, I never had to, you know, I was a worse boyfriend. Um, and for a while, towards the end of my career, like, um, it, it was a, fu- it was a funny thing that, cause I always knew I could get paralyzed or I could die. And it was funny. I didn't know this. My parents actually, when, after said, my mom said, 
they sent me some money and said, you know, we they had a like barrel policy on me. I didn't know that because <laughs> oh, they, they didn't know, they knew how committed I was. Right. Like, yeah. You know, and, and, it's easier to buy this than talk you out of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they they there's like, well, you know, even they built when they were still together, they built a house and had a separate area for me to live in because they didn't know what what my future was. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, because I was they couldn't. I was just they they couldn't talk me out of it, and uh, and even I got a. My mom was a close friend to an FBI agent in Memphis, and they were actually were trying to diversify the the the, the Memphis FBI uh, unit. She even got me an interview to the FBI. Now this is after I graduated high school, and which are, they they always going to fast track me in even then, right? But at that time, I finally signed my first con my first contract was Swin. Holy smokes. And there was like no effing way. Oh, no. no I that, was going to nope, blow. No. Not the Walmart Swin for you first rookies. It's not the These same. These are the Yeti made Swins. And, you know, this is when they had all the World Cups. Now, I was still somewhat of their top privateer. Like, I wasn't being – I was on the A group, like, flying a year. But I had a mechanic. I had a little RAV4 I was driving around. Uh, had bikes. That's awesome. Yeah, um, I mean, that's, I, I was, that, you had bikes it, it, and a mechanic. Like, think yeah, about yeah, if yeah. you leveled it up to now. <laughs> yeah, right. Like yeah, you'd have yeah. a sprinter van. You, yeah. You know, yeah, like just yeah. thinking perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, even, even later when I was a little mature and had that opportunity, but yeah, so the bears, they told me, hey, we had a barrier apology on you. We didn't know what, what we were going to do. We had money side of, you know, for our emergency, like if you got <laughs> paralyzed or something, <laughs> we, we, we. Well, we, at we, least your parents believed in you. Well, well, they, well, they did, or, and, and, and they knew how committed yeah, that yeah. I was, and really that kind of helped out later in life too. I wouldn't look at time for any other reason. Well, no, no, sure I, I was, yeah, I, I, I know you got some more questions, so yeah, yeah. I, so it. what is that? What is that like? I guess because it's fascinating to me. What is that like from a pressure standpoint? Like when you start getting sponsors, we've had we had a guy on the show, uh, a gentleman named Nixon. He only mm-hmm. goes by Nixon. Um, <laughs> no one him on. knows him. No, yeah, Nixon wow. was Cannondale guy. Oh, cool. And so, okay. A little bit before your era, I believe. I don't know what he said. Twenty some years, yeah. Twenty. He He was in it for a long time, though. But I think his big his big stepping in was before his Nixon. Sorry, yeah. Sorry, Nixon. Whatever it is, we love. But Nixon, um, Nixon had the same. So he talked about it, and I'm just kind of curious what 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 is it like when you suddenly have the sponsorship level of pressure? You know, did they give a bunch of guidelines? Was there drives on that side? Was it just like what is that? Um, yeah. Well, my this one, so I got sponsored by Schwinn, and then the the my last year I got picked up by Mongoose. So two top like top rated teams. Man, you're like on the that quality stuff. But I freaking sucked, <laughs> and that was the okay. I feel like I had, Nixon said I had, the same thing. I had the best support, uh, the expectation. So before I got picked up for Schwinn, so really I had four. I did I raced a total of like seven years. Yeah. My first three years sucked, not because I wasn't capable of riding. I just had bad luck. Yep. And I may do one race very well or something through those years. And, 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 and you I, were Dak Norton of the 90s? I guess, exactly. <laughs> oh, poor Dak. So, poor Dak. Uh, so one, after I graduated undergrad, this was 97 at Fort Lewis, I decided I was going to stay domestic. I wasn't going to travel across country. I'm going to stay in, in Colorado and do the Colorado point series, pro point series. One, it was my best season ever. Uh, I was able to ride for a small company called 3D Racing, Chris Herding. Um, Chris, I rode for two original Welded Yeti builders. Uh, Robbie Root was the one, Durango mm-hmm. Bike Works, wow. who, was, who was in 
rad. Yeah. Um, we're still for, he's building some awesome bikes still today. Some titanium bikes are out of the world I want to get. And then Chris Harding was the other top uh, welder at Yeti when they moved from California to Durango. Yep. Uh, I I was able to I, I won the point series. It was the first time Sick. I had fun. I was able to stay in, in Colorado and just drive locally to a race in between the summers. I do some day labor jobs, which was just a, it was hilarious. Um, and then I'll go travel, like leave Thursday, go for like a Saturday race, and spend a night, and just really had a chance. I fell in love with why I wanted to do the sport, and saw some really cool mountains in Colorado because I just never. I just slept in Colorado when I was racing and then went to undergrad. And then May from like September, I was just on the road. So I just never had a chance to explore Colorado. So I won that and beat out. There was a, and it was a, you know, Colorado is stacked with pros and, you know, just talent. Yeah. And that got me on Schwinn. And Schwinn was based now in Boulder. And so I moved to Boulder for, for a year. But during that time, I, and I didn't know this. So this is what happened. So I blew my knee out one race in Spokane. So I raced, I was racing with a blown knee. It wasn't the first time. And so I had a CTI custom knee brace to kind of keep it in place. But what was slowly happening, I was losing my distance vision. Oh, no. Um, now, I didn't realize this until I moved to Louisiana. So I'll go to a race and I'll be training with the pros. And, and, and even like, you know, Miles Rockwell and I would train together, you know, go ride motorcycle with Missy and Elka. We all trained. So I was with a bunch of fast guys and I could stay with them or, or even beat them. But when I'm on the track by myself, oh no, yeah, you couldn't see the lines. I couldn't see the yeah. lines. I, yeah, and, sure. and I couldn't tell because I lived in one, well, I lived in a trailer, so I could see the TV because the TV was right here. <laughs> right. It wasn't far. It's was like I didn't need distance vision living. And I could read. I, I was a big reader. So I didn't know anything about this so like for oh me to you was blurry so i sucked that year no eyesight and then um uh you know of course they they were nice to say hey jar you know we just kind of move on blah blah, blah. So, you know i appreciate the opportunity actually i did and i told the ran for because i was going to a race and man they woke up well early in the morning and it wasn't that i was driving stupid a, a herd of deer jumped out oh no and oh, wow. i ran into them yeah once again, I probably would have saw the deer in time <laughs> oh, see, if I could see further down the damn road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was too dumb. I didn't connect the dots. Oh, like, I no. needed to get my eyes checked. I say, like, well, these deer just jumped out at me. I didn't know, but I, my eyesight was shitty. So so that season went to shit. Then I got on a chance to ride for Mongoose. Mongoose was like, of course, every world champion. Brian Lopes, Eric Carter, all rode for Mongoose, did well. And then here comes Gerard. Um shitty season I, I beat out some guys like in slalom because the course was tolling i kind of had some good results during that time uh i didn't get a chance to ride the intense they had me ride some damn thing that they created that they were trying to make a downhill <laughs> bike that's why lopes and carter weren't riding for them then uh because they all had you were the guinea pig they all had row intenses and then they they were really that's how they did not ride for mongoose that year because they wanted them to force ride this new creation i was so damn desperate i was like sure i'll take whatever you give me he's like I'll, I'll figure out how to ride it horrible piece of crap but i loved the the team manager was cool but i probably could have done well on the bike if i could have saw the damn course <laughs> so really then the, at that time shitty season to be expected because i couldn't see the course didn't yep. know that so i went home this devastated so this is after seven years working as night janitor at a ski <sighs> resort school work traveling across country and really knowing that your career 
was done. Oh, man. Like, I went back. I was like, holy shit, what do I do now? Because I've been chasing this dream. And I, in your mind, it's like, I can't ride the course any faster. And it wasn't that I was scared. I don't know where they're, how fast they're going. But the problem was I couldn't see the damn course. Right. The oh, course no. I was seeing was a different course than everybody else with good eye vision. Yep. I didn't know that until I got to Louisiana. And uh, and that's a whole other story. We'll, we'll probably t- talk about that offline. But uh, So when I, got, when I finally got to Louisiana, I have uh, got my eyes checked. This was after my wife, my girlfriend at the time, and now my wife. She's like, you can't see. You need to get your eyes checked. Oh, I can read a book, fine. It's like, there's a thing called distance vision. <laughs> yeah, because I stopped driving that night. Oh, wow. It was um, bad. I just, you know, so when I got my, literally, when I got my, eye, they said, yeah, your distance vision is shot. You, you got to get it. Once I got my glasses on, literally, like the world, it's like I came out of a fishbowl. Oh, my goodness. Like, I could see Christmas lights. I could see leaves. I'm like, oh, my God. And I was pissed because, son of a Bitch, I was trying to race like this, and and I was like twenty four. Yep. And I I had a friend. He created uh, Asterix mountain bikes. Now he's a lead engineer for Sarson Madison. Um, he had a bike company. He had an awesome bike. Like bike. He kind. He was trying to design for me when I was on mongoose. He said, "Well, come back and race." I was like, "Shit, dude, I'm in Louisiana now. Like my dad just died. I'm in my master's program. It kind of fell in love with this girl. I was like, ah, I can't." It was like, because I, I knew if I went back, like my whole life would have gone a different way. 100%. Yeah. And, and I was like, I probably could achieve what I really set out to achieve. But it was kind of like, I made a, there was something in the line that said, if I'm not winning a World Cup or a world champion by 24, I'm going to stop. And I was like, I crossed over that. And it's like, I think I just need to move on the next phase of my life. And, um, and, and, and it was good, you know, it was a kind of good thing because it's because the good part is you've kept bikes a part of it. Well, and that's been it's funny to that. So when I moved back for nine years, I didn't ride a bike. Whoa, Whoa. for nine now, was years. It, now, was that one of those circumstances of like because there was a little bit of maybe heartbreak inside of that? It was I've done the same thing, yeah. I mean, I there's stuff that I still won't like, yeah. It, it, I still it, it, there's still it, things I carry that are heartbreak yeah. that I won't go back and touch it, again. It, 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 it was, I wouldn't look at a Vela news, I would, you know, I go this is before social media, like you know, you, you'll you see like Vela, you, you go to the bike shop, and I always step into a bike shop every, every once, so, every once, every so often, like I did little road rides, but I wouldn't race, mm-hmm. and but my weight shot up, and then I was focused in on school so i started my master's and then work and then it's like well i'm gonna start my phd so during all that it was just that was my that it was kind of funny that became my competition like Mm -hmm. getting the paper done getting into a program and i kind of directed my energy towards that and and it was a lot of hurt it's like i don't want to go back to racing or even kind of i was kind of worried about how do i balance my life now if the bug hit me again, right? My wife wished the bug never did hit me again. <laughs> I, but I try to keep it under control. But I just stayed away from it, and then I, I got back after I finished my PhD. Like I mentioned, I was like thirty pounds overweight. My health was horrible, and I was able to. I, I uh, they did a time trial race, and at my local trail, I said, like, "Well, this is like a downhill race. This is cool. It was a lot longer, but." So I did that, and then all of a sudden it hit me again. Oh, like, yeah. Um, and then it, what really, what really bit me, they nobody knew me, 
And this was this product. So I passed like two people on this time trial race. <laughs> and so people didn't even know. It. And I had a, a mongoose because I, I was raised for mongoose. That was my cross country bike. And I used to joke with people, oh, yeah, I got it from Walmart. Yeah. You know, I had like D Max wheels on and stuff. And nobody does. So they thought I was this black kid for riding a Walmart bike. And uh, I passed two people. And, and I looked at my time and said, man, I should have won this thing. And the guy there that said the best thing to me, but it pissed me off. Oh, all the fast people know who they are here at this course. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, all right. I'll be back next year. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so that so I started trading and then that led that to cross country and uh so yeah, and then I fell in love with Enduro and um so that, that's why I'm here now. Yeah, I mean and you're like I teased up at the very beginning. I mean your Enduro stuff, like you're a monster. Like you smash it. And it's interesting because you feel like you're, yeah. you're so so but what got you to Enduro, like this is the thing I love about talking these conversations right. is you got this de- great downhill training essentially right. and then you you know good enduro you got to have good fitness right. which is the cross country side of things you're in which the is yeah. i call maturity <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> <laughs> but like it gets you get to be this great enduro rider again because of your journey to get there yes. it doesn't just happen uh just with a push right you right. have to train to get to that spot i just think it's a fascinating thing like your your path has led you you have like one of these great stories of this. Your path has led you to a spot. I think it's pretty cool to get there. Like some people just meander, right, mm-hmm. right. But you meandered with purpose, whether you realize it or yeah, not. It's yeah, cool. yeah. It's cool to see it. I guess is all I'm saying. No, it is. You know, because when I got back into it, I was racing cross country and did really single speed because I didn't want to mm. be. It's like I knew downhill. You had, to, I had ten sets of tires to travel around with different forks, different different. All this different spare parts. And for you had a mechanic. Bike. And I had a mechanic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't have all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Nor I had the money to pay or, or even try to do that. So, and then also I'm in Louisiana. It's like, mm-hmm. there's no downhill courses. And nor I'm going to trap, you know, fly to races and, and do downhill stuff. So I was like, I want to race cross country. And then I'm going to do single speed. Because the single speed class, people with good bike handling skills do well. Because you, you have to pump the bike. You have to, you know... You have to use the bike in many aspects. It's a lot of work. You, you keep, but I fell in love with that, and and then it gave me some of the training and stuff like that. And then eventually, I switched to a gear class. And then really, how I got into enduro, it just became they started doing the races at Bodegachito, and I was like, man, this. And also, I didn't have the time to train for cross country, um, like I did before. My kids mm-hmm. were getting older. And I'm like, listen, I, it's hard for me to be out of the house every Saturday for three hours. And, and also, and, he must be as competitive as me because you can't just show up and race. You have to be in shape to no, show up. No, no. If, if, listen, if I'm that's a thing. I, look, yeah, I, that's I, a thing. I, it is. It is. <laughs> yeah, no, if I'm going to go, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not the type of person to get a PR. No. I want to no. win the damn race. That's that, right. like, if yeah. I, if, I, I if, that, if Gerard shows up to race, Either he's going to blow up or he's going to win the race. If George shows I, up to a race, I, yeah, I'm getting back in the car. <laughs> but, and, 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 and it's no guarantee that way, but my expectation when I show up to race, I really, I, I, want, I want to do well, but I really want to win it. But it's, so, so I'd still train for stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and like, so I wouldn't go. That's why I stopped doing cross country. It's like, I can't train to be competitive like I want to in this. Nor should I be training with my kids. So enduro kind of worked out the best of both worlds, and I just like the format because you really I'm I'm able to be on my bike all day, which is kind of fun. 
ride different sections of an area mm-hmm. and then kind of hang out with people. It's so a group it, ride. It's kind of big group ride. That's right. And so that it just worked out well. And I, it brought me to whole other areas in the southeast like I, I would have never gone to. Like Mobile, and, Alabama. Mobile, Alabama, perfect example. <laughs> I think it's always fun, like, uh, hearing your story. I mean, we did the same thing. I was I talked about being on tour with a band. I'm driving around the country, figuring yeah, it out. Yeah. Um, we did the same sort of vibes, like, back then. We, I mean, all kinds of different stuff. But I, I find it fascinating that all of us, even now as adults, like, you drove over right. here this morning. Right. But, like, we'll get in the car, and we'll drive over to Bogachino, yeah, yes. right? Mm-hmm. But we'll go, or we're going to, we'll ride up to Jody's place, or mm-hmm. whatever it may be. Right. Whether it's for a race or prep or whatever, right. we still do that same thing. Right. Where yes. We herd up and then we go do something because community is a big part of that stuff, and that's it what is. we talk about a lot on this. In your years of experience, like obviously you're back to the racing to where it's now modern. Those community building that community that bike community is crucial because right. there's a support system that we all have a similar alliance. We all have allegiances. Mm-hmm. We all can build each other up that way. What, what is, I mean, you've done it from the professional level all the way through recreational. I mean, what is some of the takeaways you've seen from a community side of stuff that you oh, think is man. like a standout? Listen, mountain biking, and even though we don't have a huge team in Baton Rouge, um, pretty active, you know, a lot of triathletes and stuff like that, but it really gave me a sense of community of, uh, in Baton Rouge and, and really in the Southeast. Cause I really thought when I kind of moved here, it's like, man, like there's nobody into what I'm into. Mm-hmm. And in many cases at work, people like, are, I'm back in Illinois. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, but that has given me like a sense of place and yeah. kind of belonging in, I mean, the aspect. And, and it's just great to see it. Cause you, no matter like we kind of talked about this on the group rise, you have doctors, lawyers, you know, scientists police officers laborers you know construction owners stuff like that all just having a good time on the bike yeah and mm-hmm. finding a commonality even their life spirits can be completely different and sometimes beliefs different there there's a way of having a common understanding and what the beauty of that i think people it also kind of opens up people to different ways of thinking yep and and that's what like the racing really brought to me uh, is is just that I can still love you because I know you through biking. Uh, if I kind of met you on the street and, and and saw you with a political sign and stuff, I said, "Man, that dude's an asshole." But really, you know, it's pretty good. And, and you could kind of keep some of the stuff separate. And uh, and many I, I tried now I keep that stuff separate too. But and just finally, people are really good people, and it's nice having a community around. The biking because it brings just so many different people to to a moment to experience mm-hmm. and when you go travel we talk about the safety of travel you kind of like i knew coming here i said oh they, they, you know dale and drew are awesome because we, we you know we believe in the same thing about bikes and having right. fun and people right. yeah, you don't new that. people like you know i didn't know anybody else there but right. we all had a good time and it, it was just a good vibe right and uh you know i think you don't we don't have enough of that going on, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and then, and then be doing it at a way that is somewhat accessible. It's not like we had to pay $300 for, you know, golf fees or something like that to play golf or something, you know, we just explore for me to come into mobile. It's like a, you know, adventure. I have a little yeah. mini adventure. This, this I, even, weekend. I think I said that to you this morning. Like, is there, there's always that excitement before you hit a new trail. Yes, like yes. every time, like you, he has no, no idea what to expect. Right? Yeah, like yeah, he showed yes. up this morning. And I was like, 
you're on a hill, you don't see the trails. Right. So you're I, like, I don't know the dirt, the soils. No I don't know idea. Which, which route slippery or not. Right. And I'm like, oh, it's half Actually, the Todd made a funny joke. He said, I was, he, he was following you and he was oh, like, yeah. hey, <laughs> there's a little hip. And he's like, he just floated over it. And he was right. like, I felt so dumb. <laughs> like, even giving him advice, like, about it. <laughs> well, it's always, a, there's a little bit of a safety precaution because, like, you bring anybody in yeah, from outside. But you're like, dude, it's, yes. a, it's a blind trail. He, we he don't never, know. Ty never rode with me. He right. didn't know. Yeah, he so didn't I, know. It, was, it was a complete, I, I'm glad he tried to point it out because. I wasn't. I was like, just follow me. Yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> you raced I, with yeah, him. Yeah, I raced with him. I'm down, like, right? this dude beat me. If I can hurt him, <laughs> fine. Exactly. That's what makes me feel good. <laughs> dirty, dirty baseball from Dale. Hey, that's competitiveness, though. Yeah, I know. You know that is. Um, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm being respectful of time. Oh, man, I'm having fun with you guys. So, so no problem, <laughs> I know. You'll but... get yelled at later. Uh, that's how it always works we're, out. We're all married. One of the things that... Uh, so two pieces that, that I wanted to get into that I think are pretty important. One of the things I did note in reading stuff is... And I don't know if it's a formal program, so pardon me if you've done stuff, but it mm-hmm. mentioned that one of your goals is, is to introduce biking to more individuals like people of color mm-hmm. whether it's mm-hmm. black indigenous whatever all, all groups of color bipoc mm-hmm. what are what is what is that is that a program you're working on or what are you mm. doing to do that and i'm going to say because we understand that it's still i'm i'm not biased but it is a majority uh white mm-hmm. hobby for the most part what we found, which has been a shocking thing, is we've gotten a lot. You get, we got all this information from Sorbas and other right, inter- right. talking about how to uh, include, make it more inclusive. Right. And we were like, that's great. Thank you so much for the tips. Here's our approach. We're just not going to be assholes and right. we're going to invite people to come ride bikes with us. <laughs> yeah. Quit making it a point. And it turns out that works pretty well. It, like, it does. Yeah. 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 Yes. But, what, but the other challenge, though, is, it, there, is a, there is a disconnect of how we've got to instill confidence enough. To, for people to say, "Hey, wait a second, I want to come experience." So, right. is there a pro- what are you doing in that space to kind of touch on all that? Yeah, yeah. So, on the biking side, stuff more I want to do. So, uh, I think the goal is, you know, plan on do some more duros. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the ultimate goal is try to do Vet Worlds yep. here sometime in the next three to four years. Um, it's kind of time time. My kids are fifteen; they're freshmen in high school and stuff like do that. Do they ride? You know what? Uh, I'm gonna get to that. Okay. So. Uh, <laughs> Ah, that's a yeah, 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 all of them are grounded. No, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get to that. Some of it is, is, is but, but, um, so my my goal really is. So when I created Durango Works, so a lot of that is I do consulting, workforce development, really trying to get legacy, you know, uh, get people tradition transition into the green economy, and a lot is quite simple. We do a lot of you know custom modules for I call legacy programs. Yep. So if you have a diesel engine program. We're able to bring in modules of EVs, high voltage EVs, hydrogen and stuff like that. Smart. Same with electrical. We don't want to see the splintering of an occupation, just solar panel installers. So it's more of encouraging community college, build an electrical program or enhance your electrical program and then add solar panels, PVs, inverters and batteries to that curriculum to get them to be a licensed electrician and understand solar. So that's been a lot of my work for the past two years with Durango Works kind of tied up at that. Uh, I have been, uh, I'm on the board of, it's called Front Yard Bikes. And uh, Dustin, Front Yard Bikes has been doing this great work of get, bringing kids in urban areas in Baton Rouge uh, the love of biking. And, oh, and actually how to work on bikes and stuff oh, like that. Oh, sick. So, so basic kids could really build their bikes and, and earn their bikes as they go. So uh, I've been really just helping on the board and just trying to get that board. And, and really how to become a bike mechanic. How does that lead to be like a millwright 
or uh, auto mechanic or That's EV. Clever, man. That's very so clever. Mm-hmm. I've been working more on the back scenes on that, but I still want to work on more of those kids that are coming in. And there's a lot of thing is there's a lot of urban kids doing wheelies, oh, you know, dude, the S&M, BMX, S&M and all those, bike, or, S&M, yeah, S&M, yeah, yeah, SE bikes, SE, I guess. yeah, yeah, it's SE, S-E not S&M, not, that's other, uh, yeah. S&M, S&M is a bike company. It is a bike. Don't worry, we weren't talking about something dirty. That's true too. I forgot. I wasn't even thinking. About, I was thinking of SM, <laughs> the bars, you yeah, know, no. the hoop bars, and all that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> he was bike. He was yeah. down the bike train. But it is, there's another part of S and M too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely not that. But uh, but I really want to get those kids out on the trails mm-hmm. on the mountain bikes because there's their bike handling is amazing. There's a bike handling is amazing. But uh, I really like what we're doing with front yard bikes of trying to take really exposing one thing about. Urban kids, it's not really a black and white issue because I grew up in We've always said it's an economic issue. It's an economic issue, right? but it's just exposure. So mm-hmm. urban kids don't have the benefit of fixing a lawnmower. Yeah. Because, if, you know, you've, it, and, and so you miss out some mechanical skills or or having a beat up go-kart that you're trying to figure out to keep running because, you know, we're going to store a go-kart in an apartment. So, mm-hmm. but a lot of these occupations in urban manufacturing, so they require mechanical skills, yep. nor are they teaching them in the school. Mm-hmm. And the you know applied mechanical skills. So uh, that's why I love about working with front yard bikes. It's like you're teaching kids how to use wrenches safely, leverage. You know just how mechanics work: a chain, belt, changing tires, and stuff like that. One's a life skill because now they know how to use tools. So if they want to build, learn transition, learn how to use tools to build a house, mm-hmm. or become an auto mechanic, or become an engineer. Now they finally have applied mechanical skills. So my first goal right now with them is just kind of keep that going and kind of build out help build out front yard bikes on the board. And then eventually you would uh, would like to work with others, just how can we get more urban kids out on trails and just get them exposed to that. And then, uh, yeah, kind of move forward with that. But so far that's- I think it'd be, I, I mean, it, it's a- it's it's genius because it's uh it's secretly teaching STEM without like pushing it, it too hard, right? Yeah. And so it doesn't feel like school. And right. then as you said, it's applied level. And I think that's a big transition. Like I've as my kids, if my daughter has a, a affinity for science, but it took her the light bulb moment was when she saw it applied versus right. just being taught it. Right. And remember, you got to remember these facts for a test coming up of science. Right. And it's like, nobody wants to learn that way. Yeah. And it's not reality. It's not, anyway. it's not exciting. Right. <laughs> and then that opens up them to right. like, these individuals to, to real opportunity. Yes. And I think that's the key is like, there's real opportunity. So it doesn't just mean, so the, the, the game right now, like we have a, we have a, uh, I won't say who we have a collegiate, client so they're university client so one of the challenges right now is that colleges are basically university numbers are against trade numbers so you have trade university fighting back and forth reality is we need both right right so if you're going to be an engineer most likely Mm -hmm. you're going to end up in a a university setting and then you'll apply it but then the trade element is you can make this same amount of money from a trade side but it may come from that spark. So I right. think that's a really fascinating approach on, on getting Something that I've been thinking about because we use mountain biking for our mental health. 100%. Yes. All of us in yes. this room, yes. all of us that we ride with. Why are we not doing it for adults? Like I love the fact that mm-hmm. we do it for the kids, but we need to – like it needs to be encouraged for adults that have never been – when I tell somebody that I mountain bike, they're like, what? Right. But they don't <laughs> understand that it's not the bike that I care about. Right. Yeah. right. I, the bike is a, a tool – for my mental health and my physical health yeah. that they don't understand. Yes. But I think that there's a way that we, or there should be a way. I don't understand that. I'm not smart enough. I'm a stay home dad that drinks beer a lot, but there is a way that we can introduce this to adults in a workforce that also yeah. like 
oh wait, you empowered them to climb a hill they didn't climb before. Guess what they do at work? Yeah, right. they do something they didn't otherwise yeah, do, point. which right. is also making them successful in a workforce. So it's like that is so like to me. If I had a uh, the ability mentally or physically to empower somebody to do that, mm-hmm. I would do it. I love it. That's what my I mean. I love people riding our trails because like, oh, you couldn't do that yesterday. You could do it today. That's yeah. amazing. Yep. Well, and, and that's what I love what you're, you all are doing on building trails. So if if you know if somebody wants now they're able to do that more in mobile mm-hmm. and, and then how you built the trails too you have different levels of skill on sometimes on the same single track you know you get you get hit the the, the gap over here off to the left or you could you, you could just take the trail without the gap it's just how do you know creating special clubs or, yeah. or certain nights and, and, and let people it's kind of like the first like even like road rides you know you have different levels of, of riders at mm-hmm. on a road on a group ride and you know, first timers to you know the the triathletes out there hammering, right. and I think mountain biking we need to do that more and be way more intentional. I, I, that's what I'm really happy what Nina's doing with mm-hmm. Sisters Shredders yep. or something like that. I don't remember what it is, uh, but yeah, 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 yeah. Some with with, with I don't know some Shred, Sisters Shred Sisters Shred Sisters. Sorry, yeah. Nina. Sorry, Nina. But what they're doing because that's I'll helping, put the link in the comments. That's that's helping women come to a safe space to get out. Yep. Um, I think sometimes when, when, uh, we, when you have these affinity groups or just, you know, cause some people may feel like, wow, those guys been riding or something like that. Oh, intimidation. In intimidation. This is so big. Well, and sometimes we, people can be a little elitist. Uh, oh. I hate to say that. one thing I don't like about mountain bike. I think some people is like, well, you know, you're riding, mm-hmm. riding at 2600, you know, just something, you know, just, well, I mean, we all it's, know the barrier to entry is high. Oh my lord! It's yeah, so these high. things are not. Like, we can't cheap. show up to a a, a workforce new for workforce party with right. a bunch of bikes they can ride. Right? Yeah, like, exactly. we can't afford that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Fair so, um, but I think this is just making that space. I don't know if that's making more bikes, having more rental bikes at the shops, or, or some ways loaner bikes or something like that to get people out on it because. Once you do it, and then kind of safe group, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's so easy to get hooked and say, "Well, I could do this in my backyard," and then you know we could take trips and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I, I think for adults, yeah, you're right. I think it's because I mean I love and I I have this conversation. I had it tried to have it with Eric. I did. I fumbled it, but I like I I'm from the basketball world, right? To get on a basketball court. I think we talked about it earlier. You don't just walk on a basketball court and they're like, "Oh, you're the future of basketball." Here you go. Oh right, yeah, yeah. You yes. have to earn it. But now it's like I, I appreciate the people that are allowing kids to ride bikes. That's right. cool. I love it. And right. I want them to be the future because they are. But I don't know that I'm the guy to facilitate that. Oh, no, yes. Especially on the kids' side. But, but one the adults, thing, though, like yeah. I can go to a parking lot full of people and be like, come with me. I'll show you something that you've never seen. Right. right. And you'll love it. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think I'm glad. I have, I'm glad there's all these different people that can do these things because I'm well, not. Yeah, and and I'm and people even like I'm the same with you. Somebody asked, "Dry, why don't you one you know teach us how to turn?" It's like, listen, I know how to turn, and I, I'm I'm kind of still perfecting how to turn right. on a bike. I'm not patient enough to teach anybody. It's yeah. like what Toby does and what Nina what, yeah. uh, coaching and stuff. I was like, uh, man, God bless y'all because <laughs> because literally <laughs> I, I literally have to ride, shower, and get back to something my wife wants me to do. Like I right. like I don't have, and then maybe sneak a couple races in during the season, but. Um, you know, I just I just don't have that one the flexibility of time. And two, I want to get back to my kids. They're fifteen, so I kind of get back to that. So speaking of, you did ask yeah, me about yeah, my kids. kids. So, yeah, yeah. so I have twins, <clears throat> boy and girl, Miles and Madeline. I love them. I asked my wife, I also love her too. I've never said that publicly. So, um, 
Because <laughs> we're so, knocking on the time so, of uh, yeah, yeah, my wife. You didn't, you were on there for an hour. You didn't say anything about me. So, uh, love you, Sylvia. Thanks for allowing me to be here today. Uh, but my so, I had my kids, of course, biker. Before they could walk, just about, I had them in the double. The the, the had a front a, a front basket. Uh, for the kid, for, for one twin, and then I had him in the back seat, oh, yeah. uh, in the back. So we would go ride around on this beach cruiser. When they were starting to walk, I got them the smallest kick bike to ride in the house, taped up the bolts so they wouldn't scratch our wood floors <laughs> and my wife wouldn't cuss me out, and had them ride. At an early age, my son pretty much showed me he was not he was not feeling the bike. Like he, but my daughter picked it up. Like she was like kicking and coasting flowing around furniture like at two like feet up wow. carving yeah. doing stuff You're love like, oh, the man. biggest smile on her face when she was on and my son just like god dude i don't not want to ride this thing and i think there was there there was a competition thing because really girls pick up stuff quicker especially my, balance yeah, my daughter's sports, better than my son yeah right than away. boys and i couldn't tell him that it's like her center grab is just she's able to pick it up quick so i think at an early he turned him off because mm. i'm not as good as my twin sister and and I, I you know it is what it is but she loved it what happened to her and i thought she was going to be my, my bike racer uh, and my son got into fencing so uh, talk to my parents like so, a sport i didn't even know about like it's, <laughs> it's full like, circle it's, it's, it's full, full circle, circle. Exactly. It, if a life i was like, like, <laughs> like lucky it's cheaper than bikes but uh, <laughs> but uh but my daughter what happened to her she had epilepsy yeah, and so we were kind of controlled. I didn't worry about CT brain hits like she. Oh yeah. And then not two couple years ago, she almost died on us. She had uh called pandas uh, cephalitis in the brain, so her brain got inflamed. Yep. She got misdiagnosed in Baton Rouge, almost died, and she's been recovering from the brain injury. And we're just. She started skateboarding actually a couple days ago. Like I, one of my skate, I was out in the back just trying to figure out how to alley again. And she was kicking it back again, very quiet. And I'm like, I'm still trying to like, please don't hit your head because I've never, my, your mother is going to kill me. But she's starting to get some of her, her, her activities back, but she won't ride the bike again right now. Just, I, I don't know why. She actually rode the bike, took off on it when she was flaring. Like she almost jumped out of car at 70. Um, and then she like ran out of house on the bike. And so, cause she was just out her brain. Yeah. Just out her, yeah, yeah. her brain was so inflamed. But she hasn't been back on the bike. But um, so yeah, so maybe in four or five years I could get her back on the bike. But um, so that's why they're they're not racing. And it kills me because you know you it. see I see parents and their kids, especially at fifteen. It's like mm-hmm. this was in, in my mind. I was like, oh man, I could take them to races. Mm-hmm. They could start doing the kids. It's just it's just not. In the my, cars my, right I mean, now. mine will not. They they almost uh, and I don't abuse my bike time. Like it's right. it's you know. I try to make sure I spend plenty of time with my family, I'm so it's never way. like right. throwing my kids to the side. Right. Uh, I, I'm conscious of my dad was uh, was big into hunting, oh, and so big yeah. hunt, like when he and I hated it. I shot one deer and I was like, "This is <laughs> I don't need that power." Right, right. I don't. It's not for me. And be um, out there for week, like a week or something. I mean, just days. hardcore, yeah, right? Yes, but it just didn't connect with right. me. But he was gone a lot because right. of hunting season. Like, right. You got to jam in all your fun right. in seven weeks. Yeah, because yes. there's only a certain time. That's yeah. right. Yep. But so I'm conscious of it. So I try and make sure to balance out my time with my kids and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. My kids hate it. They will not do it. It's almost like 
like they're like vampires towards it. It's garlic to a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> Will not even get near it. And, and I'm sure you're a good father. It's not like you're trying to kill him on a death no, march. No. Like, we're going to do Anna Frills today. No. Hurry up, come on, pick it up. No, that's it's just, me. Yeah, that's him. That's, <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> oh, that's your sports management degree. Yeah, there it is. It's me, Delegation Dale. <laughs> See, full circle. We no, got it. Right. All I don't want to do these intervals. You're going to do it for me. Yeah, that's right. No, but my, the funny thing is, I just try to break my son. Like, <laughs> where can I break him? Yeah. Most of the time, I'm like, throw the ball over his head and go in the house. Right. I'm done. Right. Like, I'm right. out, bro. Right. Right. Like, you're still going. <laughs> <laughs> See ya. <laughs> well, that's, the, well, you know your son, though. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm it, it's amazing, though. It's like, but yeah, it, it is. But it, I think you plant a seed and later in their 20s or yeah, 25, yeah, no. they may give Mount it a friend or something. Mountain biking is a maturity sport. It is. I think it is. Well, no, it's I, a life sport. I rode, I rode up until I was like 19 or 20. I had a really bad wreck and it was enough that I was like, yeah, I'm done for a while. Right. right? Just the same thing. I didn't yeah. want to look at a bike anymore. And then I didn't ride for 20 years. I didn't ride again. Well, until that's a long gap. Yeah, it yeah. was a big gap. And then somebody was like, hey, come back out and ride. And immediately, like, getting back on the bike, it was bigger. Right. Because I, I think I was on 24-inch back in maybe 26s. But now all of a sudden we have these 29-inch wheels, and it's a totally different ride. I missed the whole 27.5 era. Yeah. And so then it was like, oh, I, I remember the skill set. And yeah. stuff started coming mm-hmm. back immediately and, and more and more. I think mine might have been longer. I quit BMXing when I started getting recruiting in high school. So like 16, 17. Yes. And I didn't ride again until four years ago. Five years ago. Five. Yeah, five. Yeah. So yeah. never on two oh, wheels yeah. until five years ago. That's a big gap. Yeah. So, was, and it was like riding a bike. Yeah. Came mm-hmm. back. It's interesting. It, it is one of those that just sticks. It sticks with, it sticks to your ribs real well. Mm-hmm. It but is. I think that like the, the muscle memory of core muscles and things like that stick with you. I think once you learn it and you're proficient at it, then it's just like basketball. Like I played basketball forever. When I quit basketball in college, right. I didn't play for a long time until somebody was like, dude, let's go play and drink. Okay, okay. Right, cool. right. Yeah. So I picked it back up. Well, I was way better at basketball the second time. Yeah, I'm better at biking now than I was right. back then. Yeah. Well, the mental too, you, you yeah. visualize stronger, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, it, it kind of—it's crazy. It's yeah. a—it's an awesome. I mean, this conversation is blowing my mind. No, no, it's I awesome. know. I'm, I'm hyped. I, I wanna, I wanna. Um, we've learned a long time ago not to rogue in the podcast yeah. because we like to bring people back in. And whether it's meeting you at a, another race or whatever it is, maybe we'll find an excuse so we can go out your way. I need to always an excuse to come to Mobile, man. Um, do, some, do some riding with some trails. Is there, ride, yes. Huh? Yeah. Is there any? Is there anywhere people? Because I'll put you know link to DurangoWorks.com. It, it is. Not? Yeah, DurangoWorks. They can go there if they're interested, and that's workforce development. There's a lot of heady stuff that some of our. our I mean, we have we have majority of business owners in this Look, he's trying to be nice age bracket <laughs> <laughs> they can, that would make sense for them they're basically older <laughs> they make wise choices but y'all can go over and check that out is there any other shout outs you want to do do you have like are you a social media person all is there anywhere else that people want to follow and hang out yeah they can, you can follow me on, on social media i, I think Gerard Malonso I don't know what is my Facebook page. It, 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 literally, I think we we're at the bike trail. They put in G I R A R D Melanson. You'll find I'm, I, it's only one of me. It seems like I don't know why in the world, but uh, yeah. I, my parents did tell me I was pretty odd, but I, I think it's I, great. I that's good. But awesome. yeah, we would say in marketing, that's great branding. <laughs> 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 but uh, definitely shout out to Yeti. You know, they, they've kind of given me some love or give me back into Enduro. Um, you know, our bikes in uh, Palos in Illinois. Huge shout out to them for. 
really sticking me. When I got back on Enduro, they helped me get back. I only had a cross-country bike, but they were able to send me some some Yetis to demo and kind of get a feel and get Very me into sweet. Enduro. So that's good. Definitely Rock Shock. I, I've, I've been in Rock Shock off and on for almost when I was racing and then now, almost like a 20-year stint. So, there you go. So, so a lot of family there uh, that helped me out over the years and uh, love the new Zeb and the, and this, the Sid, um, I mean, the, the Deluxe Ultimate rear shock is awesome and you know everybody i'm glad to, to you to you and dale and drew um thank you for, for the invite man no. it's, it's fun hanging out with you so dude um, actually I hey, don't you're, know why, you're 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 welcome whenever you want honestly i don't know why you're here because i read your bio to my wife and she was like look so you can ride bikes and look how successful he is <laughs> and i was like no 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 no, no. listen that's it. Success. Somebody somewhere thinks that's a joke, and yeah. I happen to know for a fact that it is not a joke. No, no, no. That's 100% happened in my house. Yeah. Yeah. Go, she could call my wife to see how truly how successful you know, I am. You know, yeah. you know what we need to do is you can bring your wife, and, and we'll find something. We'll go oh do something. But I swear to God, if we had a podcast where you put the wives oh, on, no. and they talked oh about what it God. was, I just would wonder what... And we don't listen to it until right. it comes yeah, out. It comes <laughs> out. Oh, we'll have Holy. Justina produce it. Yeah, I mean, oh. yeah, that could be oh. the wildest, most listen. boring conversation ever. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. So, listen. It, speaking. Of, so, I want to put this last thing. So, speaking of wives. Yeah. I don't. Th- I told. I don't know if you saw it, but I didn't want to put it on my insurance because, uh, like, so in May I was on morphine drip. What happened, there was the BMX trails, huge gaps and all that stuff. So I ride my Enduro. Something that I, I did very – I knew the trails very well, but super peaky jump. Like my front wheel hit the top of the backside of one, and I went face first Oof. into the next set. They were tight. I curled up. I was still clicked in, hit. And those were like one of the hits. I'm like, oh, fuck. I'm not ready to die yet. Because, you know, <laughs> yeah, I you can kids. see it happen. Yeah, because yeah. I was like – or paralyzed – and when I hit, it was it was type one of those hits like, fuck, don't want to try to move my hands. Moved my hands. I was like, all right, I'm not paralyzed. Moved my feet. Okay, I'm not paralyzed. Adrenaline's pumping through me. What ended up happening, I almost tore my aorta valve Whoa. out of it. I broke ribs one and two up here, like next to the back. The cardiologist said, you know, these are, they work on LSU football players, car accidents and stuff. So nobody for 25 years, their twin, their twin brothers, have have you seen break one and two of ribs without being dead? I'm like, fuck, that's that's not good. Oh my god! The, the day before, that, I was supposed to be in. I'm on a, these national boards. I was supposed to be in uh, Monday. That Monday, I was supposed to be in DC. Um, so I got a steroid shot because I had a sinus infection. Broken ribs with trauma to my chest cavity. So all that stuff was dripping and coughing. Oh, oh my God. So I was at, I had to go rush to the emergency room. My wife would look, was telling the doctors, don't give me fucking morphine. I want him to feel that fucking pain because of that freaking bike. Oh no sympathy. I got, I was in pain, like coughing, hurt, like oh somebody like ripping my chest. Oh my God. My rib, like the doctor said, we can't even plate that because we have to cut up all this. It's like to, to even plate your, the one and two ribs. Oh we couldn't God. even get to it without causing more trauma. So yeah, I was laid up in May. Um, on morphine, I had to get the morphine. Then I had to breathe because my lungs were collapsing because it was hard oh to take God. deep Good breaths without capsule. So, so back to the wife. That's my wife. So you see her. <laughs> she, 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 she was like, she, I said, hey, I'm going to go out and do some riding. I'm going to do some podcasting. 
are you jumping again? I said, no, no, I want to keep it safe. We're not doing those type of jumps. And, uh, but not well, those type of jumps. Uh, asterisk. Uh, us bike goes, no, bike guys know those type of jumps is a different type of jumping. Uh, sorry, Sylvia. So that's yeah. just a joke that he didn't jump anything today. He no, was, I was perfectly on the fine. On I was, the yeah, we were, we were riding greens and and, 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 and with training wheels. And it's very but flat. It's very, very flat. flat. Very like no rocks. No just, grass was dry. So straight out. But, but that's the, the wife story. That's my wife. So of course we need to get out so I can get back so I can make the church. So I don't. Yeah, yeah, so you don't get in trouble. Yeah, you should. But uh, but no, it's been fun. So thank you again. Well, thank you for hanging out with us. Uh, Always, uh, you're welcome. Whatever. Uh, We'll probably, like I said, I'd like to do some stuff, like just catch back up because there's like ten thousand more questions, and I think you naturally are a good communicator. So thanks for hanging out. I'm sure there's thousands of things we could be like. You know, I should have said that or asked this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll get it. A good conversation leaves you wanting more. Well, right? let's come back. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, let's yeah, figure yeah. out a time to do that. Yes. Uh, and with that, I'll just say, just remember what Dale Boyd says. Hey, follow your dreams, kids. Don't settle at what's in front of you. Amen. Hey, <laughs> 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 <laughs>